By speaking with local creators, artists, and business professionals, PaperCut aims to cut deep and demystify the Winnipeg creative industry with hometown heroes and hidden gems. Brought to you by the West End Cultural Center, the best place for over 30 years to see live music in Winnipeg. Welcome to Paper Cut Podcast. My name is Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Duke Henley. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, hello. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, where do I begin? Um, I'm a graphic designer slash painter, local artist, if you will, um, and that'd be me. Uh, so, graphic designer, where do you um, where do you display your work, or what kind of work do you do? Um, uh, so I do motion graphics and uh, storytelling graphics and infographics and the sort of stuff uh, for CBC News at the capacity of uh, senior designer. And uh, you can probably see my work probably on the television or or CBC website or their social media channels uh, as a video format, I guess. Uh, that's probably most often where you'd see my work. Um, these would involve maps, charts, infographics, um, sometimes storytelling, animations, um, that, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So when you're making an infographic for a story, so you get the full story first and then know where you have to fill it in? Or do they give you a certain window of time? Or how does that work? Oh, um, it's a pretty deadline-driven sort of environment, right? Because it's news. And uh, the current mandate is to serve the, the local news across the country, across the regions. And we have here a centralized uh, um, center of excellence for graphics, news graphics. And um, and so in a, in a day, I, I'd, I'd get to make graphics for the local newscast, starting from Halifax to Yellowknife to Vancouver and everything in between, Calgary, uh, Saskatchewan, uh, Manitoba. <clears throat> and um, so let's say there is a, a story um, for a local news. It could be a, uh, an award ceremony in Yellowknife, and it could be a house fire in Winnipeg. It could be something about uh, electronic cars in Calgary and you know, all these things I have to uh, make often within the day, but they're also like sort of like long-term graphics, if you will. Like the recent one is, I guess, uh, uh, the measles outbreak. We want to have a little uh, animated uh, explainer, explainer about vaccination and why you should, you should vaccinate your kids. And we're going to make little graphics out of it. And that's, I guess, something like that would be more of a long-term. And they're like... Breaking news is uh, breaking news stuff like let's say uh, a ski do crashed in New Brunswick or something. Then I'll have to make a little map saying where it happened with like a blinking dot and everything. And if it's breaking news, then like I just might have to have done less than an hour. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of a that's sort of how my day looks like usually. Are there some <clears throat> uh, graphics that? Like, for example, that seems very familiar, a map with a blinking dot. Mm-hmm. So those are ones that... Are there other ones that are pretty standard that you do usually for certain things? So something like a map with a blinking dot, that's like a, a standard news thing? Um, I guess a lot of... Quite a lot of our work is, yeah, based on the, uh, the news format, right? So... Um, Good example is like uh, the municipal election, for example, because we're dealing with local news. Let's say we're having an election in, hmm, what's a good city? Let's say we're having an election in Regina or something, and and that would uh, require a certain map, perhaps a chart showing how many people are supporting, like you know what party when it comes to polls and such. So those are like pretty standard, but that sort of also relies on the uh, the standard uh, news format of like politics, traffic, hard news kind of stuff. But that's not just the only things that we do as a team. We also do more. Uh, we also try to do more storytelling, animated graphics, their explainers, and that's sort of our uh, 
you know, uh, direction as well. And it could range from like the measles that we just talked about, could could be about the, the mosquito population in Winnipeg, could be anything. Um, and it could also be something that's like more of a local history. I have recently pitched the story about the local uh, wrestling group, I think it's WPW, Winnipeg Pro Wrestling. Um, we want to do story and and I've just finished working on a an animation that was um, something about Louis Riel. Uh, I saw that one, and you you had done a lot of uh, graphics. Like, did you draw a lot of that by hand? I think I saw a video. A lot of it was teamwork. Actually, it wasn't really my like <laughs> design project, but uh, designer that was involved in was uh, his name is Jamie Hopkins, and he's a senior designer as well, um, and he was working with uh, Kristin Neal of CBC who uh, wanted to tell this story on Louis Riel and how, um, how you know, that uh, him as a historic figure, that there was a certain narrative that was uh, attached to him. And like her fascination with, uh, with Louis Riel was he was either portrayed or portrayed as a hero or uh, a villain depending on you know what kind of narrative that you get but uh, I suppose as an organization I, I think it'd be it, the right thing for us to pose that sort of question so what do you see him as and how have you been taught <clears throat> and um, she managed to uh, get uh, the great great grandniece of Louis Riel for her name but um, she she agreed to came in to us and um, she shared her her story of her great great uncle, um, <clears throat> and our design team was then to create an animated uh, piece um, with her narration. And where I come in was that I was sort of sourced by my colleague to. Um, do a portrait of Louis Riel and I've done a few practice runs and because this was involving um, other historic figures like Churchill, Gandhi, George Washington and who were, and all of these guys had like both like brilliant heroic sides as well as you know some dark sides as well obviously and um, and so my task in this particular project was to um, use the traditional art skill of content drawings to do portraits of these historic figures with the the, the angle that uh, all of these people have you know like hero side and the villain side as well the thing about george washington or gandhi or churchill is they always started off as the national hero of their respective countries whereas our louis louis, louis riel was he started out as the villain and then the way how we see the narrative sort of changed and in, included the uh, become became more inclusive of of the the other perspectives around him. So we have more reasonable understanding of who this was, the person was, mm -hmm. and what he means to I suppose Manitoba, I guess. So you did you get the the voiceover first and then do the drawing to it, or was it reversed? And how does that usually work? I'm not exactly really sure like how the entire process went down because <clears throat> I at, for this particular one I was involved at my my particular capacity I had assumed that this all just happened more or less simultaneously yeah mm -hmm. so I, I think somebody was writing an article while somebody's phoning this person to come in and uh, tell us the story and while I'm doing practice drawings and and then there's that phase and there's the next phase of compositioning and all together generating ideas and how they want to how they gotta look hmm. yeah it's very um it's a linear sort of uh storytelling but the process is never really like exactly linear or delegated to one particular person especially for something so substantial as this I mean, I'm a graphic designer. Not exactly qualified to, you know, talk about history all that much, is it? Although this was a great opportunity for me to learn about Louis Riel because uh, one, I'm a first-generation immigrant. I came to Canada about uh, 15 years ago. Two, um, 
I'm also from Toronto, so I have like a very uh, I, I at first when I came to Canada, I, I lived in a very Toronto, very much of a Toronto bubble, if you will. So Riel and the grievances surrounding his narrative were not really a familiar thing for me. But this time I get to learn it. That's what it meant a lot for me. It was a pretty special project to be involved in, and using the, the traditional art skills of you know content drawing. Um, so yeah, it meant a lot. How long did it take you to draw that piece? Um, <clears throat> I guess in total, because I did a few practices to get features right. Like, I don't know if you've seen it up on my Instagram, okay, which is DKHNLEE. Nice. <laughs> uh, you can actually kind of see the process of uh, like me trying to get the features right. The first feature looked almost like Einstein or or uh, could be anybody with the mustache and the long hair really and then the second one I was able to capture the expression more more uh, more accurately and and then I went ahead and did the shooting which was the the third and the the one that was featured in the video and and the time it took so I just based based the the drawing on the uh, the engravings and historic photographs and as well as my own practices <clears throat> as as references and the whole thing took about I didn't really time it but it took probably like less than an hour I'd say to be actually done pretty quickly this one um, oh, there's a lot of detail in it too like for an hour that's, yeah. that's really cool yes yeah, I do life drawing a lot and I've been involved in the life drawing community in Winnipeg as well as in Toronto, <clears throat> um, you know, uh, where you get the model and the model does gestures and poses and you draw from like, you know, the given amount of time that you get to draw this live model range from like a minute to 20 minutes to 45 minutes if you want to really draw something substantial. But so this practice of life drawing which is very fundamental fine arts like visual arts skill I, I think uh, it's something that has something I've been doing a long time something that was actually very helpful to uh, to get uh, drawing done in in for this particular project hmm. um, yeah Interesting. And I never really thought that that, that that was gonna be used to that extent but hey, well, I will never know right yeah that's cool so I want to go a little bit back. How did you get started with graphic design? A little bit of your background and what brought you from Toronto to Winnipeg? Oh, what brought me from Toronto to Winnipeg? Um, <clears throat> and my background. Okay, well, I guess I'll tell you some of my life story. So, um, <laughs> so like I said earlier, uh, I came from South Korea, Seoul, to Canada when I was about 16 or 17, about 15 years ago. And there's uh, what grade ten eleven ish. That's I used to say grade ten point five because I came to Canada after my grade ten in South Korea, so I had to go into grade eleven. But uh, you had to take a few courses to graduate high school. That itself was a bit of a challenge for me. And um, I always liked art, but never really thought that'd be a thing that I used to sort of pursue as a Carrier, especially when I was back in South Korea, I thought I was gonna go to like some sort of liberal arts program or something back then. But um, but uh, coming to Canada, uh, I was I was faced with a bit of a linguistic challenge, like a lot of immigrants do, and I didn't do really well at all uh, in the English classes, especially. I mean, uh, great, I didn't have to go do the ESL classes, which would have actually delayed my graduation from high school if I had done that. So I decided to go just take the regular English classes and being taught Hamlet in medieval English, and how am I supposed to pass that? I can barely speak the language, but I managed to pass. But all these little experiences kind of like make, like uh, made me sort of go in a bit of a uh, visual direction, if you will. I, was, I sort of became this little, quiet little kid with... Uh, sketchbook back in the classroom kind of thing and, uh, and then started taking art courses and then and yes art happened and uh, 
then I took photograph classes and the sort of stuff and thought that maybe I should actually pursue career in this is what I'm gonna do you know like going to poli-sci poli major and uh, once again face the massive English barrier at a post-secondary level I don't know about that so so practical reasons I thought um, maybe pursue a, a, a study in graphic design and uh, the school that I ended up going to uh, was York University and Sheridan College joint program in design also known as YSDN in the industry which was a pretty good school um, you get to have a uh, pretty good exposure on not just the practical side of like practicums like studio side of graphic design but you also get a lot of exposure to the uh, theory side so we'd be talking about um, the art history we'd be talking about things like Dadaism and Foucault and all that and <laughs> which uh, which then sort of reignited my like liberal arts kind of side too and um, and and I think I got a lot out of that program still keep in touch with uh, a few of uh, professors that taught me there um, so that was my academics background and yeah and um, but like a lot of like kids in the post-secondary program you're still like thinking so what am I gonna do with this awesome knowledge and skills that I just acquired through you know uh, blood tear and sweat and you know, 24 hour all-nighters and all these deadlines what am I gonna do with it and then um, um, and yeah after I graduated I was sort of going through that bit of uh, soul searching move to downtown Toronto from more of the uh, north end of Toronto um, and uh, going to the, I started going to these life drawing sessions and um, one of the life drawing sessions that was organized uh, in on Queen West of Toronto was organized by this the same person that initiated the famous slot walk and that thing had like a bit of a more of a sex positive theme if you will and um, one night I was doing that with my friend and, uh, and then after that we went for a little drink uh, I think it was Tuesday night and then uh, and then we were just sort of sharing our sketchbooks um, thinking about maybe we should have a show we were gonna actually have a show so we we're showing each other maybe I should put this up on the wall or put that up on the wall and and then uh, ended up showing those sketches to people around me at the, I think it was like a rooftop patio somewhere mm -hmm. and then and one of those people happened, happened to be a uh, graphics coordinator for CBC and uh, and then I uh, you know I was saying so, you know the, he asks what what do you do and I'm like oh, well I literally graduated from the Yorkshire then programming design just about a couple of nights ago maybe yesterday uh, <laughs> who knows uh, it's a whirlwind yeah I know and um, it was uh, his name was Joel Thompson and um, it was his wife slash colleague Marika very very nice people and um, so he sort of uh, asked me uh, would you ever be interested in you know just coming in for a little tour for you know, our production facility and our design team like because you know like I can show you around <laughs> and I'm like Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I'd uh, I'd show up, and uh, and there I showed up, and I looked around, and I was like, "This is awesome." This was my like literally the first impression on like the way how an actual design studio works. Although I've I've done my internship at a more like design studio and design firm. I've done like corporate internship at some hotel chain for marketing department um, I've done field trips to like ad agencies in Toronto as well and like Bruce Mao design I've been been there too and I've seen their work but uh, like, to go there to see like the whole other side of design that's for the public broadcaster and for the news I, I was really fascinated by that and a few months after that, uh, I got a call back saying they're looking for a bit of a uh, backfill for, you know, people people taking holidays and such around like the December time of the year. And I said, and I was like still doing like odd things here and there, just sort of hustling around. 
I said, all right, I'll, I'll do it. And what, what else do I got to get to at this point? Like what, like what, five months after I graduated? Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come into a backfield anybody. <clears throat> and um, yeah, it was. Um, I think my first shift was uh, around just around the Christmas time. I think I was um, actually doing. Uh, uh, yeah, I was. I, I was doing. I was making graphics for the national. I think that was my first role around like late in the night I think and um and the things that I made for that shift was uh, you know um, in the old format and this was about eight nine years ago um, <clears throat> when you watch the, the the national news you'd see you know our good old Peter Mansbridge and he would have like a little thing called over the over the shoulder graphic. Yeah. So here's Peter Mansbridge, and there's the little graphic that goes next to him that is like a little still postage stamp sort of. Yeah, mm-hmm. sort of, and and that sort of introduces the audience into the whole story with the the anchorman. Um, so that that was my first thing that I did, and uh, I was keep getting called back for that kind of backfield capacity um, and I covered oh man I was there I was there when um, Jack Layton passed away uh, I had to make an obituary graphic at 8 o'clock in the morning and this I this is a shift that I started at like probably at 4 a.m. I think for CBC News Network morning breakfast newscast mm-hmm. and um when Jack Layton passed away, uh, we, we got a phone call from the newsroom saying that, well, this is what happened. Very sad voice. I was pretty sad immediately as well, <laughs> because he was quite the guy. And um, yeah, I remember scouring through the, uh, the wire photos, the uh, Canadian press and Reuters. They have you know photos that uh, the broadcasters can use. And I'm looking at the photo that uh, this I had to look for a photo that sort of signified that sort of uh, occasion. There were a lot of photos of him at rallies and at speeches and him, you know, meeting his people. There was the one particular photo that stood out. It was him sort of looking over his shoulder towards his right side, I believe. And the light was, the stage light was casting on him and it was uh, cropped in such a way that's just more or less him rather than him in being in a certain situation so that's the photo that I went with initially for the breaking news and I think the uh, colleagues that uh, came in later that day turned it into more of a substantial graphic uh, animated graphic that could be used over again for the the cycle of that particular news Hmm. and there are like many other stories that uh, the graphic design gets involved which is yeah, like I can go on and on about it, right? Like yeah, yeah. I have a little bit of like a timeline in my own head. Mm-hmm. So then before you go uh, from Toronto to Winnipeg, mm-hmm. I got to know, did you get to meet Peter Mansbridge? I guess that was the second part of the question. How did I end up <laughs> from, Toronto, from Toronto to Winnipeg? But uh, did I get to meet the person? Uh, not really. I've seen him around on the floor, though. He's a legend. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, pretty I've, cool. I've, I've met a few personalities. I've met Sukin Lee, which was pretty cool. Oh, before. yeah. yeah. I, I never really knew that she knew a lot of people in Winnipeg. I should have actually talked to her a little more before I came from Toronto to Winnipeg. But, um, <laughs> That's a great segue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, was, I was also in the same elevator with uh, Margaret Atwood and the Governor General, uh, the, the former Governor General. Yeah, so that Toronto Broadcasting Center does have a lot of uh, stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that that's like the main hub for CBC in Canada? Um, that's uh, sort of the, yeah, that's sort of the main place for the English service. I think the the main French service is Montreal, the Tower. Oh, understandably. Yeah. Um, for the English service, uh, yeah, this it's called the Canadian Broadcasting Center. Whereas the CBC stands for Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the place in Toronto, it really is a big building. It takes up the whole block. It's a purpose-built facility too. Um, yeah, and that place is a, more or less a bit of a center. But uh, 
but I'd say like there are like other regions too than Toronto, right? So we have a pretty good presence here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, not just with CBC Manitoba and CBC Manitoba, but there are uh, other units that are you know sort of uh, that are stationed here as well. Uh, CBC Investigative Unit is here, CBC Indigenous Unit is here, radio shows like um, Now or Never, uh, a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of other good um, programs are based in Manitoba as well. And, and of course there's Vancouver, so yeah, it being a bit of a corporate headquarter there in Toronto, but I think, I don't know, like I'm just saying it as like what I see is that like it is also pretty evenly spread out to give uh, each regions uh, a good presence as well as good opportunities to do things together. So what are your first thoughts coming from Toronto to Winnipeg? Well, I don't know. The whole thing just happened very fast. I think what was going through was, um, if you recall, in around 2013-14, CBC was facing cuts. Um, and. Uh, and there were lots of adjustments that were made, being made to, you know, uh, readjust the workforce, perhaps. And um, that was one of the reasons I was sort of uh, faced with, uh, with the impending layoff. But at the same time, uh, I think the corporation was centralizing the graphic designers for the local news and was trying to set up the center of excellence here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. and um, and. And I think, I think, and this is just all my personal opinion and personal observation or what, is because I guess Winnipeg, Manitoba is, it, it does have a lot of, um, you know, artistic creative talent that can benefit from a center of excellence like this. Not only that, geographically speaking, as we all know, Winnipeg, Manitoba happens to be the center of the country, really. And for a centralized creative service unit to serve across the country where in this in this time and age when everything is connected by the internet <laughs> Winnipeg is a, a good place practically in terms of uh, in terms of the time zone so you know we can we can do like 10 to 6 day or 11 to 7 day and still very much serve from the west coast to the east coast to the north and um, and that that that's why that's why this center was here and and all of these things and and you know so being reflected on my the beginning of my career I I went to carry on I learned a lot in that in in those few years where I started in Toronto uh, making graphics for the news and the public broadcasting and I I mean I I could have probably just you know found some other line of career in Toronto doing graphic design but I really wanted to carry on that um, the graphic design for the public broadcasting for the service to the community and and for the news for disseminating information and uh, all of that sort of appealed to me immensely and I thought that was a great opportunity so I came here and um, what the impression I got, I was per- I was petrified, obviously. Like, as despite all these noble reasons that I had, you know, when I showed up to Winnipeg, and uh, where do I even start? Like, I have to like reconnect with the local like creative community. I have to like start networking again. You Pick know. up a bigger parka. Yeah, yeah. Get a, <laughs> get a warmer coat, and I guess uh, there's a lot of like concerns, obviously, for me. I didn't know what what was where and you know how like I I don't know how I didn't know how the public transit system worked in this city and like very poorly <laughs> little practical poorly yeah little practical things you know um, what's like a cool spot to hang out um, how am I gonna fit in you know all kinds of things um, and yeah well there are like from the Toronto-centric perspective, like their Torontonian way of thinking, oh yeah, Winnipeg is supposed this and that and that kind of stuff, and I'm like actively sort of like fighting against this sort of preconceived notion about 
Winnipeg as white. <laughs> Not gonna say it myself, but you all know what I mean. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and awesome. It's amazing and awesome. And then yeah. and then I found things and I found friends. I, I found the. I started going to First Fridays. I made some friends at these wonderful little music festivals here and there, and I made some art, met some uh, friends that are listening to graphic design arts uh, around like all these cool little venues that this city could have offered, and, and I felt okay. Hmm. It's actually not all that different than Toronto, is it? Except that it's just that like doesn't have the the amount of people like in terms of the density. Yeah, but. Um, it's a city that certainly punches above its weight for that matter. Um, yeah, and uh, people are definitely more friendly. Toronto <laughs> <laughs> people do have a very much of a big city kind of a mentality and the eagle to follow. Um, but uh, yeah, there's something very uh, homely about uh, the, the, the community in Winnipeg, which I appreciate. So going away from, you know, work, art, tell us a little bit more about your personal art and how you connect with the Winnipeg uh, creative scene. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Well, I guess uh, there's graphic design and art are necessarily a very separate endeavor to begin with, I think, although some people might disagree. Um, I don't know, a couple of my professors might disagree with that, but um, um, so I think I, I think I should touch back with the uh, earlier stories that I've told you about, like how I was doing art in the community and how that sort of just got me in touch with the very you know initial context of my career. Not only that, when I was leaving Toronto, I had like one last group show for my art. And like I didn't even plan it this way, but Sukin Lee somehow showed up and she did her performance art for the opening of our group art show. So um, so the way how I see is like these things are pretty much connected very much. And as I told you about the the recent uh, project that I, I was involved in with Louis Real, this is you know graphic design for work, but uh, the the personal art that I've been doing for all these years became very relevant for it. Um, and so, back to your original question then, which was it again? Um, How is your, tell us a little bit about your, your personal art and the stuff that you do like with live drawings. Mm -hmm. Um, Paintings you mentioned. At yeah, the stuff stuff that's separate from CBC. Right. Yeah. Well. But yes, this is my like the personal art is definitely my creative backbone and where a lot of my um, personal expression gets to be shown. And um, I've been, I've always been doing um, figurative art that often portrayed people, portraits or figure drawings, um, nudes or non-nudes. I always like painting or drawing people. Um, and uh, the way how I see it is that I, I see it as a bit of a celebration of humanity. So um, that's, my, that's my personal art and that's what I'm sort of trying to do and I, I believe art in my view should be liberating and empowering and I happen to have skills to render human bodies on canvases and papers and in my practice therefore I, I, I try to be as inclusive as possible so the art practice is becomes uh, um, sort of becomes the idea in action is what sort of then sort of becomes I have this sort of idea is that art should be more inclusive and it shouldn't just be about you know like having an, an inclusive artistic community that too is important too but in my art practice it should also reflect that, uh, that notion so um, 
when I'm, for example, sourcing the subjects or get, trying to get somebody to model for my paintings or drawings, I put it out there, you know, like, first of all, it is important that you, that you agree to this according to your entire will. And if I, if, if you'd like, we can, you know, even discuss about the compensation too. Two is that, you know, some people have a very specific idea about like how a human body should be portrayed in art, but I want to sort of challenge that as in terms of any kind of um, the, the body shape or or gender or race or or fashion sense even. Um, so I want to be as reflective as I can to that diversity of, of different humans. And <clears throat> And the whole pra pr practice of it should be empowering and liberating. And and if somebody volunteers their time, or if I, you know, do it at a professional capacity, uh, I I I force myself to make sure that that experience is is enjoyable and that we all feel better at the end of that drawing session or painting session that we're going to be doing. So yeah, that's sort of the, the idea. So was this always your mandate for art or was this come from experience of being uncomfortable in situations? Um, being, I never really had much of an uncomfortable situation. You'd be surprised uh, if you go to life drawing sessions or if I, you know, get like somebody to model a post for me for more like personal practice it's always very respectful and and good the, the, there's a preconceived sort of idea that like you know like we really have to be careful about this because we're having this person who's in a vulnerable position without any clothes on them and so and such but um Oftentimes, there's a there's a very strong sense of community that um, moves around the the body body posit positivity and and respect and as I have mentioned earlier about the the life practice or life drawing practice in uh, that I've been through in in Toronto that was organized by the initiator instigator of the slot walk movement. Um, there's a lot of room to be room for for it to be very sex positive as well. Um, so these are more or less like uh, sort of the spirit of the art community that that inspires me, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and from those inspirations, I, I would like to reflect those things as much as I can in in the practice of um, drawing and painting human bodies. Yeah. Do, do you find your because that could be I guess if it's your first time going through that that could be an experience for the model mm -hmm. that might be new might be yeah. you know very intense to have to go through do you want them to portray that intensity or that kind of I don't know what this is or do you want you know do you, what do you do to try and make a model I guess be as comfortable as as they can be in that space because it could be something pretty... Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, but also based on what you said, they're usually quite willing and wanting to do it and open to it, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I just mean like if I... Like it's something I'd be interested in trying, but I know right. my first time stepping up there, I would be not uncomfortable, but kind of new to this experience yeah. and that, that kind of space. So how does the art community welcome newcomers to yeah. those situations? Thank yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we sort of worked that out yeah. in front of you. Sorry yeah. about that. <clears throat> well, uh, there's something about the abundance of caution, right? So um, I know uh, there are a few live drawing sessions and the people who organize them always make sure that everybody who participate in those activities are very well aware that there are a few rules that um, that you have to keep to make sure that the model is comfortable. Two is that uh, you know um, sort of putting yourself in their shoes, kind of thing. Let's just say like I'm 
naked in front of a lot of people, like I would not feel comfortable at all. Actually, I've never really done it myself, and as I do the art, but I've never been on the other side. But I can certainly imagine how that would feel like. Um, and I, when I do it personally, I, I make sure that uh, that that reason why I'm doing this is fully communicated and that you're not just an object, you're a human being and you have to know that these are the reasons why I'm doing this and these are what I hope to, what I hope we can accomplish through this session and it's not just you being uh, something to be drawn, you're actually sort of expressing yourself with your body as well so that's this this becomes a bit of a collaborative effort, actually, really. Um, yeah. That sounds so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I, and um, I hope that breaks down maybe some of the misconceptions or something about uh, the situation. Yeah, there's a misconception of it. But, um, but I look like I'm not like the most expert person on body politics or anything like that, but I think, um, I think that's, there's there's certain subversive element to this, you know, almost about as subversive as like nude beach or something, you know, <clears throat> because then we're challenging this idea that is sort of pervasive and is already there that, you know, like human body is better to be clothed and, and you know, like the nakedness gets immediately associated with sexuality, hypersexualization and all that. Why should that be the norm, right? Why can't we just challenge that? Why can't you just be naked in my living room and participate in art on an equal, like, collaborative basis, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And that should be the norm in my view. So, so there's that bit of a, let's challenge that idea. And I do communicate that sort of, a, that concept as well when I'm, when I'm doing it personally with uh, any model. And because often the result is like well, I end up having this oil painting or content drawing of this model and and they do see it like as 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 visually as as a result and I've heard a lot of good things that how how it was inspiring and how I mean like I never really saw myself that way too it's like wow like you, you captured me so well and I see some things in me that I never really got to see it myself in front of the mirror so there's the whole experiential aspect to it and um, and so I think that's a um, pretty important aspect of my art currently <laughs> yeah. so when you're drawing a portrait do you do like you said with the Louis Riel the first one you did didn't really look like him um, yeah. do you do if you have a model many versions or do you just take the time to do one slowly or how what is your process of doing a portrait of someone wow that's a good question um to, i guess to capture their likeness right yeah for one louis riel is a historic figure so there's no way i can like resurrect him or invoke his spirit and like have him in front of me and and paint or draw him in, in like one-to-one, -one, like person-to-person vis-a-vis. That would not be possible. So, um, so I had to use the historic photos, a lot of it, and I had to like do my own drawings, a few of them, to, you know, sort of translate the photographs into the drawings, if you will. <clears throat> but in, in my my practice it usually involves a person that I know that is around me, right? I, 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 I try to avoid working from photographs as much as I can. And because we have time constraints, sometimes I have to just take reference photos because I'm not going to be able to, you know, call you over every evening for an hour and have you sit there for... You know, no one's no one's got that much time for me, but... <laughs> I'm not that busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we, can, we can try that too. Um, if anybody is willing to go to go that extent for for art but so i think it i have like the order of preference when it comes to the pro process one ideally is doing it in real life as much as i can 
this was offered this, this gets offered by the those life drawing sessions where they actually hire professional models have three hours but you know in three hours we don't do one pose usually it's you know a minute to a minute to 45 minute to an hour short poses for a group of people and like I said if I were to get an actual person to pose for me it'd be a lot of time just for me and my art so it feel like it uh, so the second preferred then is we do the initial sketches and or a sketch and then I'll just take reference photos which will be locked away somewhere safe and delete it I guess after the work is done and work from the sketches done in real life as well as from the photo references and then third and the less preferred way of doing it is just strictly working from the photo photographs and I'll, I'd only do this when there's a very physical limitations to do the other two options. You know, if someone is like really far away or something, or if someone's passed away or deceased person, or, uh, or yeah, like those reasons, then I'd go for photographic references. And those photos preferably, preferably must be taken by me. And I don't like photograph very professionally with professional equipments but as references like a snapshot with the with the, with the phone or Polaroids or any any kind of photographic references would do but they have to be done by me because I have to resolve and solve the visual problems shall I say and and that's my solution right if I'm working from your own selfie or if I'm working from a photo that is taken by someone else of you, then it becomes a whole another thing. Then the 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 visual the visual problem or the visual of you is already resolved by somebody else, not me. So that then then that's where I sort of draw the line. Mm-hmm. Um, as an artistic practice, I guess, um, and then and. And if I am working from reference photos that, that are not sourced by me, then it really just becomes a practice rather than an actual art that I'm trying to do. So, for example, if I'm studying the anatomies of, you know, face or something, then I can probably use this whatever face that I see in the magazine or something, right? Then I'd call it like just a practice. It's not really, I don't call it like entirely my art. If it were, if it were for for it to be entirely my art, I have to study it myself so that's where i draw the line and that's that's sort of the, the press uh, the process of it in different in the order of preference that is so interesting yeah it's a cool process thank you so yeah. much for sharing all of this with us you've told us convict. so much about yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. i was just gonna say you've shared so much with us so really do you share it. your art at a lot of uh, shows do you do first friday like where would we be able to see your art on display um uh, Michaela Ray just uh, did one of the uh, first Friday artists showcasing at the base building uh, on McDermott and um, that was the most recent one that I had. I forgot which month it was. Was it um, January? February? Or was it November? You have a, an excellent timeline of every single graphic you've made for Peter Mansbridge, but yeah, yeah, well, it's all too recent. Um, it was like this winter. Let's just say, let's just go by the seasons. Uh, yeah, this winter, uh, I did a little group show there, and um, this coming August, I'm planning and hoping to have a show at the uh, fleet galleries in exchange um yeah those be the one that just happened and then the one that will happen um i've already done group show at the fleet galleries uh i think a few years ago but i don't get to do a lot of shows often you i mean you know like putting up an art show is a lot of work (laughs) and uh you know, I mean, like, and I work really slowly too because I have to make time after, you know, my office hours and all that to do these things. So, um, but yeah, those are the, those are on, on the horizon. And, um, but you can also see a lot of my artwork on my Facebook and Instagram. 
um, I sort of try to think of myself as the Bob Rose of Instagram and try to like post the, um, the process of you know getting a painting done um, which is fun but yeah like, there's there's something about like looking at the painting in real life too right there you miss a lot of things when you just like look at artworks on Instagram or Facebook and like technically speaking these photos even get further compressed right through the the app and everything so a lot of details get lost and 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 in my art I, I, I believe in things like brush strokes and and the, and the content lines and those things to have a very important human quality as well as abstract sort of expression within them and um, so the hope is to show and have more real life shows for my art that can connect with the public and 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 all that and hopefully sell some too um <laughs> <laughs> oh man art supplies do add up i tell you especially with oil paints oh they're expensive um yeah uh and it's a bit of a, a shame and a concern that uh, a lot of my artworks are not really seen by the public eyes yet uh, there are stacks of those in my basement and all that um but hopefully that will get better yeah I, don't know. I, I, I think it'll get better I mean I'm a pretty optimistic person to begin with <laughs> yeah. yeah well and if we want to see your work we could just tune into the the evening news also yeah <laughs> yeah yeah there I mean all the little things that you see on the television whether it's like the camera work or like just a little sleeping fancy flying graphics that you see on a, during a hockey match or whatever all these things are made by a person if you think about it those are designs they're done by a designer who is probably like an, a creative soul like me and you and all of us so um yeah do remember that uh when you see you know news video or anything like that and there's not just me but like a, a team of uh, designers that work really hard to sort of present to you these informations in a, in a pleasing aesthetically pleasing way and sometimes it does tell a lot of story too on its own so that's fantastic cultural artifacts right yeah. wow yeah, yeah that's a great way to think of it awesome well thank you so much for sharing your process uh, your art your story with us too yeah we, you're welcome man it was amazing pleasure okay ready yes thank, thank you, you for, for cutting, cutting deep, deep with us on paper cut podcast, podcast. thanks <laughs>